right, all right, all right. You know what that sound means. I am Mitch Maley, and I am joined by my colleague, Don Kitterman, and we are back for another edition of the Bradenton Times podcast. If you're listening on Wednesday, it's a little bit chilly out there today, but we are going to warm you up with the news, aren't we, Mrs. <laughs> Kitterman? Sure. Now, as uh, your midweek recap, or excuse me, your midweek update uh, indicated this morning, yes, our chair... Mm-hmm. Mr. Van Austinbridge is subject of an ethics complaint. Is this the first ethics complaint lobbied against him? It is not. I actually was able to confirm there were uh, at least two others that I know With of. With a stolen bougainvillea or no um, sunshine violations? No. No, <laughs> no both related to... Uh, they were similar. They were not on the same incident, mm-hmm. per se, but both related to um, the complainant uh, alleging that the chair was a DB. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The chair, the the chair was um, misusing his position and campaigning from the dais. Mm. That he was, uh, you know, announcing who he had, um, who he had endorsed, or uh, was making other comments pro candidates or against other local candidates or other elected officials who are up and running. And like I said, each quite a bit of that and uh, a little bit, uh, you know, hypocritical given his penchant for shouting down others who he accuses of doing the same. Right. Well, and I, and to clarify, uh, I know of at least again, two separate complaints that were lodged that detailed separate instances that raised a, this similar concern about campaigning from the dais. Both were reviewed by the Florida Commission on Ethics and uh, deemed insufficient. They were like, look, this is Florida. We are busy with bigger fish to fry. <laughs> right. You've literally got to come to us with, you know, a manatee-sized fish before we're going to fry it. Right. Uh, but so- what is this one? So this one is in relation to um, that reporting that we did and the uh, we did on the inspector, the initial inspector and general audit um, concerning Van Austin Bridge using his purchasing card to purchase 19,000 and some odd uh, District 3 voter uh, micro data, like very specific um and then from not, a company that specializes in providing such data for campaigns, campaigns and so forth. Correct. Right. Um, and not only, you know, not only did he purchase the data using the the purchasing card, the county issued purchasing card, but the purchase he had his aide make the purchase because apparently the aide, if if you recall from the old reporting, had some sort of re- prior relationship. Yes, with, with the, the guy who ran or, the or company. At least the guy that yeah. ran the company at a different um, position. And so the purchase was made via using. So not only did he use county dollar resources, but he used staff also to complete the mm-hmm. transaction, and then. The deliverables were sent via email to a my man making them a public Correct. record and Correct. putting everybody's detailed personal data in his own district at risk. Well, not everybody, but nineteen thousand some odd, right? Mm. So, um, which has always been a weird question mark for me because I I can't remember now off the top of my head because that reporting is a little while back, but. I, I want to say that the the total number of registered voters in District 3 at the time that he pulled that was somewhere around maybe 30,000, 35,000-ish. So I don't know where that 19,000 number and mm-hmm. then a few more came from. Um, but yes, so anyway, someone filed a complaint. The complaint specifically... Uh, I, I will point out, I was in the district and was not included on it. I was. uh uh-huh. I'm on there. So I, I was uh, one of the, I, so I have no idea how that. And I'll tell worked, you. I was one of the 11,000 who did not have a, a, a good, put out. A good portion. Um, and it was mostly wrong too, wasn't right. it? Right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. A good portion of what was on there. It wasn't, wasn't even wasn't good even data. Right. right. But, you know, the concern is, is if someone who maybe would request this record sure. wouldn't know. Oh, absolutely. That that were right or wrong. And as I pointed me. out before, you could be, imagine being like in a public position. Maybe you work for the county. Maybe you work for the school district. Correct. Uh, maybe you're elected official yourself for the school district or well, someplace. I will, and now you have these, uh, let, let, you know, so if you're in a nonpartisan public position, let's say, um, and you 
are in a position where you're not supposed to make partisanship public, let's right. say. Right. Now you've armed any potential foes or adversaries you have with the ability to wave this potentially completely inaccurate information around publicly and say that you're this, that, or the other thing, and for that reason shouldn't be in a nonpartisan <clears throat> position. And there were um, there were names on there that I recognized from various different positions that would be individuals that more than likely in their professional life keep their politics pretty private because of what it is they're doing professionally. So uh, TV media reporters, uh, local reporters, school teachers, um, this this sort of thing, sure. you know? Um, so yeah, it, it's problematic. And, and again, work, where would it be most problematic, in my opinion? Working in the county. Because then if you in any way run afoul of this especially cabal. Since, especially since they are so straightforward in stating yeah. that you're either with us, with us or, or you're, us. You're, right. you're, you're our So nemesis. how hard would it be if you had a complaint or you either issued a complaint or were subject of a complaint and they were able to point it at data and say, well, clearly you're a, you're a liberal. Right. You know, so, uh, yeah, very big deal. Let's hope the Florida Commission on Ethics takes this one up because, uh, you know, it's just one of many of the things that well and at this point at this point we're at the you know the point of a more you know an investigator has been assigned at least one anyway they've they've opened the investigation and then on the back end of that if if anybody listeners remember how this worked uh with commissioner vanessa paul we will eventually get to a point where there will be either determined probable cause or not probable cause um and then it will determine whether it moves on so i guess my point in saying that is just because there's an investigation does not mean definitely that he will be held or found to have violated ethics laws. That's what they're looking to determine. Correct. Now, let's move on to the Zigglers. I can't wait to talk about oh this. This goodness. has been juicy. Listen, you know it ruined my whole weekend because I kept getting the updates and the police reports and 911 tapes. Uh, it did... Even, even when I was out socializing and getting them, it did provide for conversational fodder. So I'll have to give him credit for that. But now we're, we're hearing that the Florida GOP officials will meet in 12 days, and this is from yesterday, uh, to decide the fate of besieged chair Christian Ziegler. So for those of you who haven't read that part of our reporting, and to be honest, we don't look to get into things that are so scurrilous, things that are, you know, so... Um, titillating but what are we going to do when florida republicans continue to just hand us over the these these culture war issues that they are so incredibly hypocritical on and i've been saying this for so 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 long um what is it with these like far-right christian republicans always having these just teams of skeletons in their closet <laughs> I have no answer for you. Is it deflection? I, I, I don't know. But I, here, so for, for those of you who haven't been following along, it turns out that Florida Republican Party chair, so the head of the party for the whole state, Christian Ziegler from Sarasota, a very celebrated power couple in Florida Republican politics. In fact, probably the most powerful couple outside of Ron and Casey DeSantis. Uh, so many pictures of, of the four of them together. And his wife, Bridget Ziegler, is the person who is a co-founder of that group Moms for Liberty, which has now become this big national thing. And it's aligned with like General Flynn and kind of this Christian nationalism movement where they are organizing to take over school boards throughout the country so they can keep out all of this, you know, uh, uh, debauchery. graphic debauchery in, yeah. in the libraries. And often it's pointed toward the LGBTQ community. And, you know, so you could kind of, a lot of anti-gay rhetoric sort of woven into the fabric of this movement. So imagine everyone's surprise when a woman comes out and alleges just sort of background that she and the Zigglers have been having a long-term menage a trois, as the French put it, and that particularly she's been involved with Bridget Ziegler, and then on one occasion, I guess most recently, when 
Mrs. Ziegler was out of town and not available for one of the meetups, she alleges that Mr. Ziegler uh, decided he was going to go anyway, despite her saying, I believe it was, I'm really mostly in it for her. Right. <laughs> and uh, alleges that he forced his way into her apartment and raped her. So he is facing... And the, videotaped it. And videotaped it. Uh, and he is facing... Which, and, and to interject, if I may, to, to, so that there's no confusion here. Miss Ziegler, Mrs. Ziegler, has confirmed that they have had prior couple with this woman relations. She claims once within a year. Um, seems a little odd given the text messages that the law enforcement was mm -hmm. able to review um, and eavesdrop in on and phone calls. Two, both in the couple confirm that the incident was videotaped. And they both watched it multiple times. Well, I don't know that they confirm that in the report, but there's rumors. Okay. So I guess in the Ziegler house, they go by the rule, it's not gay if it's a three-way? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the meme going around. Not a bad one. Um, but I just, look, I'm, I can't say I'm surprised because, again, this happens all the time. Um, I am, however... I'm shocked by maybe the uh, the level to which the dispar disparity between their public rants right. mm -hmm. and their private life seems to be. And this, I think, is a good segue to talk about how troubling both of, I, both of us have discussed before we find this whole Christian nationalism movement to be. Mm -hmm. And this is something that has become more and more popular and you can google it listeners if you haven't heard of this but basically what this advocates for is that the united states is a christian nation inherently and that we should basically embrace the unification of the church and the state and this goes to you know all the way up to the top and there have been statements from Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's recently said, you know, I'm going to say it and I'm going to say it proud. I'm a Christian nationalist. Uh, her intellectual cohort in the in the House, um, Lauren Boebert, has said the so-called separation of church and state and has advocated that the church should is actually intended to lead the state, which is absolutely absurd. The Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, who has a flag that's been associated with Christian nationalism flying outside of his office next to the American flag, a flag that, by the way, was also shown at the January 6th resurrection being flown and has said, we don't really have a democracy and is emphasizing, yes, of course, we have a democratic republic, but he's emphasizing the part that it's not really up to you, the voters. This is troubling. This is incredibly troubling. I've said this before. We now have the most radical right-wing uh, religious zealot ever in a post that high three number three in the line of secession so we've got mike johnson who has argued and again i don't know how mrs ziggler would would respond to this because he has argued for laws that would prohibit what he calls um unnatural same-sex uh relations but this whole idea that it should be Christendom overseeing the United States is absolutely frightening and mostly so because it's so damned hypocritical that you know they don't even believe in it. It's a way to subjugate. It is a way to other and it is a way to, it is the front door to fascism. It is, hey, we're, and it's kind of just like that rhino thing that we've talked about. We're going to decide where the goalposts are and they're going to constantly shift and then we're going to say when you're outside of that, and then we're going to cast you out with all the other infidels. Right. And and deem you either, um, you know, unchristian un or heathenistic or unconservative and uh, communist or whatever, you know, any, any one of these measures. I mean, that's one of the, I think, should be an obvious concern for all Americans about the idea that any faith whether or not, let's just say, well, the majority of those in the United States who claim a faith 
claim a Christian denomination. So therefore, we are a Christian nation. Well, just within the Christian religion alone, the interpretations... There are innumerable sects, correct. Right. So, and, and this has always been kind of one of my gripes about the Moms for Liberty movement and, and some of the other uh, movements around the idea that just blanket, you know, okay, this book is pornography. We can all agree this book is pornography. Well, who gets to be the judge of that specifically? And and I'm not trying to allege that there are not some books out there perhaps that are, you know, had previously been considered a, a, a child's genre that was not a, appropriately placed within a library. Maybe, you know, it was like in the toddler section and it should have been in the young adult or, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm not saying that mistakes don't happen, but this idea that somebody out there who comes from, you know, I don't know, like, what did, what did Bridget Ziegler do before she co-founded Moms for Liberty? What is her resume? What is her background? What, what is, where does she have the expertise, knowledge, wisdom, or otherwise that I should fall into lockstep behind her as she leads this charge against, and, and now we look at where we've come to today and it's like, well, <laughs> nobody really should have been falling in lockstep behind her, right? Because the one thing we can all agree on- Because that it was, it, the, the foundation was a lie. The thing that we can agree on is pornography is the videos that are on her phone. <laughs> I, think that, I think that would stand as the most, if we took every book in the library, I think the one that the greatest amount of people would agree would be pornography, would be the videos on her phone above all else. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, and it, and it makes me uncomfortable talking about the videos and the specific allegations that have come to light because I think there's two separate things here. Um, you know, we have the actual, what in my opinion, again, and I say this as a, I am not an attorney, I am not uh, law enforcement, I'm not a judge, but I have read the affidavits, which um, the warrant affidavits, yes. which uh, you it is not an easy feat to get a judge to say, yes, you may take this powerful person's phone yes. and also have access to the Google account, which mm -hmm. backs up that phone. So it's not like somebody just went, hey, we think there might be a there there. There was a lot to substantiate in that affidavit. And so reading, you know, this specific victims, alleged victims um, account and the information that surrounds that, frankly, is is sad. It's heartbreaking. Um, it it certainly raises questions in my mind of is she the only one who's ever been victimized uh, in any way. And I believe that when you videotape a sex act like that without the other person's consent, I think every single incident of that is a felony charge. That's yeah. my understanding. Yeah, and so in terms of, but the, but then this, this separate matter, the hypocrisy that you're speaking of, you know, frankly, not only could I care less, I have no judgment on the Zigglers, if if the oh, Zigglers yeah, were not absolutely. who let me let me make that they clear. came out yes. and said let me they make were. that clear. I have no problem with what somebody consensual does in the privacy of their bedroom. Arrest. Again, assuming consensual, consensual. We're not talking about this this alleged incident most right. recently. But if a couple wants to do whatever they want to do in the privacy of their own home, married and or not, hurting no one, and and everybody's an adult and and giving consent. Yep. No problem whatsoever. Correct. I that is again the part of the separation of church and state that I applaud. I don't want someone to say, well, the Bible says that's right. not okay, so you got to go to jail or something for it. I'm very very much against it. Um the problem with me is only in the hypocrisy and the public agree. Not only public influence, public policy making. You have a school board member to to one degree she's She's a policymaker. He he may not be. Now, does he exercise even more influence? Of course, as the as the head of the party, but nonetheless, a policymaker. So you're out there deciding for other people that you're supposed to be representing. That hypocrisy rankles me horribly. And this let me bring this up because I, I know this complaint was lobbied against us, I should say me directly. 
with the Amanda Ballard and her husband's DUIs. And it was, you know, conveyed to me that Mrs. Ballard felt that it was completely unfair that we reported on that, that had nothing to do with the news. He's not an elected official. And that, you know, that, that was salacious to some degree for us to do that. Um, I vehemently disagree. And the reason being is nobody asked you to run for county commissioner. You took this upon yourself and said, I want to run to represent a, a district worth of constituency and pass ordinances, you know, legislative acts that are going to govern the way they live. And then you get on this big kick once you're elected and sort of shift and say, really, my whole thing is about library books and I want to ban all this stuff. And you start bringing religion into it, which she, she often and did. Family values. Family values, and, all those things. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're casting condescension, whether you mean to or not, on everyone else and saying, I'm going to decide what's moral and what's not. I'm going to decide what's just and what's not. And I'm going to impose them on you. When you do that, particularly when it's clear that a large group, probably I'm going to bet a majority, but a significant group are saying, we absolutely don't want that. When you're going to impose that, you'd better make sure that your house is in order. You better make sure that you don't have a good reason for people to say, hey, who are you to say anything about what me or my family should be doing? You need to go take care of your own. And when you look at Mrs. Ballard, clearly what we've seen from the, the, the record her husband has amassed with these multiple DUIs, DUI accident, is this was going on while she was campaigning. That's very clear. Right. It seems unlikely that someone would have overnight yes. come to the point. So she that. knew her house wasn't in order. She knew her husband had a serious problem. And oh, by the way, your husband is also employed by this developer lobby group that is acting as sort of the intermediary between the developers who own the board, yourself included from what, you know, everything that, that appears in your votes. And also who her, who her consultant was. And, and who her consultant was and everything. Donations. Correct. Right. The so facts that supported. Your husband's employed by them. Now, all of a sudden, he's got two DUIs. I imagine you can get disbarred for that. That's my understanding. I don't know how that's played out with the Florida bar yet, but I don't know if he'll keep his law degree. He's not on the uh, on the website, at least. I don't know if he's getting a paycheck from the BIA anymore or not, but they've at least, you know, not publicly uh, shown him to be part of the organization. And until recently, she was facing the family was facing a lawsuit from the county employee that he hit with his car. That seems right, to be a, a civil suit seems mm -hmm. to have been settled out of court from, from the way that the, the records would indicate they're sealed. So yes. we can't mm -hmm. see them, but that would, that would be the suggestion. Those are all problematic because you're now an elected uh, representative. The breadwinner of the family may not be employed or employable going forward. And you can't lose your seat. So right. when you look at that and you say, as a constituent, I find that very, very troubling. I think she absolutely should have resigned and said, first of all, I think I need to be with my family right now. I think that I need to, you know, support my husband's health and get him off his addiction or whatever. Uh, I think that I'm not in a position to best represent the public because of that. I can understand why my constituents may have lost faith in my ability to represent them. But the question becomes, can you afford not to get that paycheck? And that becomes problematic. And again, that problem is tinged with anger when the constituency is already frustrated with you by saying, hey, stop telling us how to live. We, may, we have our own family values. They may be very different than yours, but we didn't elect you to say what books should be in the library. And that's not really the purview of the county commission. We have a whole other arm of the government that takes care of those things. So I don't agree with this, oh, my private life is separate from my life as a public official. Your private life, if you're a private citizen, no problem. If you are out there making rules for how other people live their lives, then your private life is absolutely on the table. And whether it's, you know, Amanda Ballard and the, the, all of the problems with her husband 
or whether it's Bridget Ziegler and all of the problems with her husband and their relationships and all of the contradictions that has with how they publicly campaigned and claimed to live their lives, that is absolutely, if you're not going to resign at that point, then I believe your constituency has every right to publicly shame you for that complete disgusting hypocrisy that that you're somehow you're somehow okay with walking around and putting a smile on and still you know hearing the honorable so and so it's to me it's it's nauseating I, I I find it absolutely repulsive and I, I I don't understand their sort of you know assumption that that those elements should be off the table it's ludicrous to me well, you know, did you read uh, Christian Ziegler's statement? He put out a statement yes. after Ron DeSantis had asked him to step down, I believe, was when his came out. And as you had referenced at the beginning of this conversation, there were there's kind of been a drip, drip, drip. Uh, Wilton, Wil, is it Wilton Simpson? Mm-hmm. Uh, he has since made a statement. Um, Rick Scott. Rick Scott. And there's, there's, I mean, there's several others. Uh, and yeah, because they listen, here's why though. It's not even a values thing for them. I, I, I know it in my soul. It's an election thing. Yes. It is yes. a, Hey, we got to cut the dead and weights and mm-hmm. we can't let you hanging around because it also might get people looking other directions. We got to cut. So it's so, and that's, that's, a, here. that's a part of the point I was leading into. So Mr. Ziegler's statement, first of all, I personally don't recollect reading a strong denial of the accusations. What I did pick up on was a strong, I am the victim. There's a guy named Michael Barfield who's out to get me, who, who he's the one who leaked all of this. Um, and, and just a real, and then refusal to step down because of it, right? Because I'm going to be vindicated. And, and I guess technically this statement came via Christian's lawyer with Christian's words. Um, I, I Frankly, I, I hope that voters are, as these sorts of situations just continue to stack up the hypocrisy and the, the you know, elevating these elected officials or candidates in your mind and in your view and they're the greatest thing since sliced bread and then you find out these things later and what they want to tell you in response is I don't take ownership I don't apologize and as a matter of fact what I'm most ticked off about and I think you need to understand here is this is a setup somebody got this information about me and is now sharing it publicly because they're against me politically right they're the others and it asks the listener to disregard what their eyes can tangibly see are the facts it our own commissioner, Commissioner Ron, shortly after he came into office, he said from the dais he was concerned that the county government was, you know, leaking like a sieve or like a screen door on a submarine. And so he wanted uh, a county attorney's office to look into drafting some sort of policy and paperwork that would require every county employee to sign a non-disclosure agreement in order to be employed by the county government. And as I hear it, Mr. Ron might have some good reasons for wanting to have those leaks plugged, but go ahead. I, I mean, but this is insanity. I, I'm, hearing problem, he, I'm hearing he might have trouble in Sarasota County as well. That's all I'll say. I, the problem that, uh, the idea that the problem is the leakers or the information getting out is insane. <laughs> that is not the problem. Right. If there is nothing to leak, you cannot have leakers. The other thing that I notice frequently in these sorts of situations is that just like, you know, the letter that on behalf of Ziegler's statement, it is not an adamant denial of what has happened or it's not pointing out the error in the information you've been given. Here's the information you're looking at. That's wrong. That's wrong. This is why that's wrong. This is stated incorrectly. I can prove it. Let me show you. This is how you can know. There's never any of that. There's never any, for lack of a better word, fact checking any of it. It's just a don't look at that. It's coming from the others. Yes, yes. 
how da- that dastardly Mr. Barfield to go and request public records so, of an actual police and report. Then, and then speaking of hypocrisy, you got to ask yourself if the few Democrats that are here in the state of Florida, if this information had be had been found out by Mr. Barfield uh, or obtained by Mr. Barfield, and and I think more specifically, it's the Florida Center of Government Accountability. I don't want to 100% credit Mr. Barfield because there are, there are a lot of people, people involved hard, in that right. organization. And so I, I don't, I, I understand it to be a team effort. Yes. Um, and I'm only focusing Barfield because that is how Ziegler has written it. And they do that for a reason. It. He's the easy right. person to vilify. Go right. Um, but again, if this had been information about a powerful Democrat, Hunter Biden even, who's not even an elected yeah. official, I mean, Mr. Ziegler would have no issue whatsoever with any leakers leaking I would, anything. I would love to know what Mr. Ziegler's commentary on the Biden situation has been. I'm sure I'm sure he's been vocal on it, and I can only imagine that it wasn't nearly as forgiving as he's expecting his constituency to be today. Yeah, so I, I, I again, I hope that voters who are following the train wreck that is the state of our entire nation's politics right now is really looking at the box of tricks and beginning to recognize the tricks for the fact that they're now seeing the same trick over and over and over, right? You see a magic trick for the Mm -hmm. first time. It's really easy. You watch it repeatedly and you might start to be like, wait a minute, I see what you're doing there. Right. And I hope there's more of that happening because you are being asked to not believe what your eyes and ears should they aren't going to deceive you in these you mm-hmm. know in these in these ways so and then hold on then you're being asked to vote right consistently on what they call republican values so it begs the question what are republican values so now and that brings me to the next point that i wanted to raise on this about the statements that are out there from various individuals or their offices, um, you know, throughout the Republican Party of Florida, demanding Ziegler to resign or step down from leadership. In just about every single one that I have read, they fairly state, you know, innocent until proven guilty right. and he deserves his day in court. And I don't disagree with that. Sure. I, I do but not disagree But there also is that. no acknowledgement of the heinousness of the accusation. I, I've seen, I, I wish I could, because there's been so many okay. now. There have been a couple where I have seen statements such as the more evidence or the more information that comes out, the worse this is really looking and it's time for you to step down. But the other thread that I feel like is almost mentioned in, in all of them that I've seen in these statements is that as you referenced we have a big election coming up we have you know at this point in the election cycle this mm-hmm. is too dicey to have so that begs the question for me if this were coming out the way that it is in the information that we have and this incident had not incurred of October of 23 but instead came out at the start at the beginning of a new ushered-in electorate, and our governor personally wasn't running for the presidency, um, would would these responses be the same? Or would it be, again, another instance where we are told, well, consider the source where you're getting the information. It's coming from the others. Don't believe everything you see in black and white on the public record because really this is a witch hunt and... Um, we're just gonna, you know, hold to our own, deny there's any there to there and just keep screaming. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. And ride this out because it's going to take, because likely this, whatever legal comeuppance may come out of this, if ultimately he is charged with crimes because of these allegations, it's going to take a while before we know what the outcome of that is going to be. And particularly as we've seen, um, powerful people with money, and who can hire uh, strong legal teams often can delay. Yes, uh, you know even Three years, fur- sure. even further out. Sure, but but let's just put it this way. Let's just ask the question that shouldn't the Republican Party saying, "Hey, 
aside from the heinous allegations made to him, the hypocrisy in what they've acknowledged as a couple and mm-hmm. the way that it is not square with Republican family values, mm-hmm. we need to part ways immediately and condemn. That's you're not hearing. Well, and the, where I am seeing that is I am seeing that in discussions of like Republican activists yes. are saying that to one another and, and asking that of other, which may also be playing a role in this wave coming for Christians saying, hey, just go ahead and right. step aside and, and go sort your mess. Um, you know, I, I just, I just don't understand how we have gotten to a place where it seems like legal matters and accusations and uh, of all different sorts, people being charged with crimes, indicted, ethics complaints, what have you. Um, It almost feels like a, what is that word for when you overload a system in in IT? Um, uh, A denial of service attack. It almost feels like somewhere along the way, politicians and powerful people realized or like took ownership of that um, safety in numbers. Like if we are all just so embrazened and emboldened and we all just say, "Mm, screw the rules, screw the ethics, screw the everything, we're doing what we want and you can't touch us all at the same time, we're just going to overload all the checks and balances that exist. And, And equally... I feel like that same sort of denial of service attack is happening to the American public who is witnessing it it. going down because we too are becoming so exhausted and desensitized. Overloaded with information and controversy. Constantly told, you know, don't believe what you see and don't believe what you hear and only listen to me and only go to this source and that source is a bad person. And, um, it, you know, I think a lot of people check out, but... I mean, I and, and maybe I'm remembering wrong. I know there's always been scandal in politics, right? There's always been bad politicians who are eventually held to account. But this feels to me like a point in time where either we have just lowered the standards so much and dropped the bar so much that we have elevated people that should have never that, been elevated listen, to begin with. That's a huge part of it because... Li- What's the argument all the time when somebody says about, you know, we got to feel competition? Who would want to run? Who would want to go through that? Who would want to either lick the boots he got to lick to get elected and then do exactly as they say, or suffer the onslaught in the post-Citizens United world of conjured up fake attacks on your actual personal life and record? Look at the people like Matt Bauer, uh, 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 a decorated veteran who ran for county commission and had to get just eviscerated in these look at when um oh god uh um the judge's kid who's the attorney now for the michael gallon when michael gallon ran the horrible attacks the developers unleashed on on a very honorable family man like that you have to go through that and people say well who wants to do that you know who wants to do it very very mediocre people who have no other opportunity to excel and that's why we've increasingly seen the special interests elevate from mediocrity, pluck right. somebody from obscurity and say, hey, you know what? I think you've got some great ideas. And it's like, well, nobody else has ever told me that. Okay, that sounds great. And that's what we are getting. We're getting the bottom of the barrel now because that's who wants to swim through the swamp to get there. And I think you could argue that the bottom of the barrel and people with their own housework to do and their own skeletons they'd like to conceal also potentially are could be easier to Oh control. yeah, that's always been a thing. The thing has always been compromise. Yes, take that? somebody who's mildly compromised or has some let's say dangerous tastes and elevate them because as long as you're the only one that knows about it and they know you know about it, then they're more likely to play ball. So that's always been a part of it. But I do agree that we've gone so far down the ladder because those previous people have realized, hey, I could just make more money, you know, not being in the public face of it, either if I'm a lobbyist or in the business craft end of it or whatever, and you're getting the worst of the worst. So I do agree with that. So outside of, of party politics, 
the other recent statement I've seen weighed in on the Ziegler matter is from uh, Bridget Ziegler's side of things. And this is uh, from the leadership of Moms for Liberty put out a statement. And they say, we have been truly shaken to read of the serious criminal allegations against Christian Ziegler. We believe any allegation of sexual assault should be taken seriously and fully investigated. Bridget Ziegler resigned from her role as co-founder. Let me read that again. Bridget Ziegler resigned from her role as co-founder. Which you can't really do, but go ahead. <laughs> uh-huh. With Moms for Liberty in the month uh, of our launch in January of 21, nearly three years ago. She has remained an avid warrior for parental rights across the country. Uh, to our opponents who have spewed hateful vitriol over these last several days, we reject your attacks. We will continue to empower all parents to build relationships that ensure the survival of our nation and thriving education system. We are laser-focused on fundamental parent rights. And that mission is always and will be bigger than any one person. So as you pointed out a moment ago, there is no mention or acknowledgement there of the hypocrisy. Right. Of, of never mind the criminal allegations. What about the fact that your co-founder, which as you said, you, you can't un-co-found right. yourself, okay? You don't step down from being a co-founder. Um, the woman who half helped create, and I would say more than half, create this Moms for, quote, Liberty organization was living a lie and the platform and the foundation, and furthermore, where they're saying, like, we are laser-focused on parental rights, I follow the Moms for Liberty on social media. I follow some other groups that, that uh, you know, branch-offs, like uh, n- national, local sects of Moms for Liberty or whatever it's called. But I, most of what I see is not conversation about necessarily parental rights. No, it's culture war nonsense. Yes, it's conversation about... LGBTQ and the threat of gayness and the threat of transgenderism. You're not not addressing in that statement that your co-founder may have been encouraging young ladies to explore (laughs) their sexuality in other ways other than Christian heterosexual, you know, that you promote. Uh, She may be encouraging young girls to become bi-curious. Who knows? You're not addressing it, though. and, And if anything of what has been described, and I'm referring just the things that the Zigglers themselves have admitted to, as is contained currently in the few public records we have, and I can't stress that enough, we actually don't have very much. Right. And of the very little we have, it don't look good. Right. Um, if any of that was a book, these people would be fighting to get it out of your public library. Yes. It's insane. Insane. Uh, then we also had word this week, I don't know if you saw this, but the prince of the panhandle, Matt Gates, who is under ethics complaint. I don't know what happened with the DOJ investigation. He's under ethics complaint for allegedly transporting a minor, uh, 17-year-old girl across straight lines, mm-hmm. which is, I believe they were originally looking at a Man Act violation, which is ancient. Um, apparently, he's had a lot of dalliances with young ladies, uh, allegedly, um, but one of his congressional cohorts, a a fellow Republican, made a statement this week that he has uh, everybody in the caucus knows that he routinely showed pictures of the young girls that he was with the weekend prior on the House floor to them, bragging about how he would, allegedly, according to this congressman, um, pop ED pills and drink energy drinks so he can keep up with these young girls all night. And... Again, you have this person leading the movement to give you the Mike Johnsons of the world, which is just staggering to me. Look at Marguerite Taylor Greene. Um, look at her, you know, spousal background. Look at the Doesn't affairs. Doesn't Bober also have some Bober, sort of weird yes, thing again, with her ex? Well, she had a divorce and then got caught groping a Democrat in, <laughs> at a Beetlejuice play in public and had to have, you know, where kids were available. She's grabbing the guy's crotch while he feels her breasts and... Again, this is your Christian nationalism party saying right. there should be no separation, which read your history. My favorite is John Adams. He makes it very clear that we should make no mistake. This is not a Christian nation. In fact, what one of the things that we're noted for is we are the very first one 
Very first state to explicitly prohibit a national religion. This was, the, you know, the Quakers left the ch- to escape the Church of England and not to say, hey, we should have our church be the, the whole idea was that there wouldn't be a church. You had the ability to worship if you like. Right, and but you also had freedom from yes. religion. And I'd also like to say something too, because this lack of history, particularly for people that are having such close involvement with our schools and our education systems on various levels, the, the idea that we're a nation founded on Christian Judeo values, I would just, I'd encourage you to read a little bit about Greece. <laughs> That's it. I think Greece started democracy and most of what we've got here comes from the people that you know we routinely refer to as pagans. So just putting that out there. Uh, you know, listen, values are not, nobody has a monopoly on values. Value. We are far past the point of primitiveness where we need an ancient book or text to tell us what's right or what's wrong. That's the point that the, the thread we've been on for a while now, which is this is the problem with wholly identifying yourself in some party or team and saying that that that's what I am that because it's a moving target and you've got to marry all the things and look at how complicated messy and convoluted the whole thing is and this is what it comes down to is these people saying well this ancient text should guide government but oh by the way we live less by that text than even the enemies that we attack whenever the spotlight is shined on our own personal lives so i would i would take that very seriously let's transition here uh give it to the other side because i was deeply disappointed last week to find out that the florida democratic party is not going to even allow anyone else to be on the primary ballot so marianne williamson this is this is telling because several people my colleague included this morning, have told me this week, I had no idea there were other Democrats really running. Yes, Marianne Williamson has been polling consistently at about the level of Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. But nobody knows it because there's a complete blackout on her campaign in the mainstream media. She's having to go on obscure podcasts and any news channels and give interviews to small. We could probably get her on the podcast, to be honest. I'll reach out because nobody will actually say, hey, there's a challenge to Joe Biden. Uh, she's running. Cenk Younger is, is running a, a political commentary. And also a run-of-the-mill garden variety Democrat named Dean Phillips from Congress who said, hey, I love love Joe Biden. I agree with all of his policies, but he's not going to win. And this idea that we're just going to shove the candidate down voters throats and say, Hey, that's who's on the ballot. We decided that. But by the way, it's a complete existential crisis if Donald Trump gets reelected. So you have to vote for our guy, even if you don't like him, it's not going to work folks. I told you this in 2016, when everybody said Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. And I said, look, whatever you think of Hillary, I didn't personally like her as a candidate. I didn't personally agree with her policies and her platform, but whatever you think of her, the data doesn't lie. And the data is showing she is the least likely Democrat to beat Donald Trump in 2016. And everybody told me I was crazy and I kept pointing to the data and they kept trying to explain it away. Even people that always told me the data never lies were saying, oh, but this time it'll be different. And folks, anytime somebody starts their argument with this time it'll be different, that's a good key that they're wrong. And right now, <laughs> the data is showing very clearly that they're wrong. Look at this. Not only is he losing handedly to Trump, which has been going on for a while, but in the latest polling, Biden is losing five points head to head with DeSantis were descent. Now DeSantis isn't going to get the nomination, but that is a huge indictment on his lack of popularity. He's losing by 10 points head to head with Nikki Haley. Kamala Harris has now tracked higher than Biden against almost every other candidate, even though nobody wants her to run either, but they're still saying, Hey, we'd even take that. Uh, Dean Phillips is probably now I, I would be more likely to, to vote for Marianne Williamson of them. Um, Dean Phillips is probably the most, you know, standard died in the wool Democrat, uh, which has, again, if, if people just say, um, if, if uh, Trump polls against a no name Democrat, he loses. 
He pulls against Biden, he wins. And I found this very, very telling. This week, there's a podcast. Uh, it's, it's a very popular political podcast. It's called Pod Save America. It's a bunch of guys and gals from Obama's uh, campaign team and some that were in his staff that have broken off and do this. It is as, you know, institutional Democratic Party as you can get. Um, not really my cup of tea. However, they had Dean Phillips on and they made the the... They said the quiet part out loud. They, they made their point without me, meaning, or they made his point without meaning to. They said, you can't distinguish yourself from Joe Biden at all. You're not disagreeing on everything. What are you if not a younger Joe Biden? And he just smiled. You, it was a podcast, but I could, I could hear him smile when he said, exactly. Aren't you listening? That's what the vast majority of people are saying. He's too old. They're not saying we hate all his policies. I disagree with many of his policies, but the reality is the, the, the those horrible numbers are driven by a couple of things. The foremost one, people saying we don't think he's physically up to the job and the, the country is in too difficult of a position to right. go with somebody that we don't feel is up to the job. So, <laughs> yes, Dean Phillips is just a younger Joe Biden and most Democrats want a younger Joe Biden. Uh, not me, but most Democrats. But that was the point. The other part of it is, boy, he's not doing anything to help himself. The Democrats are not looking at a few key demographics, which were also important in 2016. The first one being Hillary Clinton lost an enormous portion of the black vote from 2008 and 2012. And you can say, oh, it was because Obama was on a ticket or not, but you could also look at the historical margins and she lost a fair amount of the black vote. Now, part of it might've been that super predator comment that, that was brought up in the uh, elections and all that stuff, but she, she did poorly with those groups. She also did poorly in some of the swing states as we know. And by the way, Biden is losing them handedly. And if you don't know your democratic demographics, states like Michigan, Wisconsin, they have a uh, Minnesota, Minnesota in particular, they have large Muslim populations. That is why most of your Muslim representatives in Congress come from that part of the country because there are a lot of immigrants concentrated there. His complete acquiescence to Israel at all turns is not winning him any votes there. So Hillary's problem was more, I didn't go and campaign and I took them for granted and I didn't realize that their middle class, you know, in some places, Rust Belt economy uh, had suffered as much as it had, and Donald Trump spoke to them in a way that I just didn't, so I either didn't turn them out or I lost them over. Uh, these are the same demographics that they were arguing against when they were denying the fact that it was relevant that Sanders was polling 10 points better against Trump than Hillary was. So Democrats, I'm sorry, you're fooling yourself again. You're fooling yourself that Biden has a good chance at winning. I don't think he has much of a chance at all. And if your only tactic is to go back like it was in 2016 and berate everybody and condescend to them and say, if you didn't vote for Hillary, you're part of the problem and I'll never forgive you and you gave us Trump and again refuse to turn it back on yourself and say, well, maybe we gave him the one candidate that they didn't want and that's why we lost to Trump. That's where you're headed, folks. You just are. Numbers don't tend to lie. You can talk about polling and its inaccuracies. By the way, Hillary was polling to win, but only within the margin of error in all those states. So it wasn't that polling was completely out the window. Polling has a margin of error. She lost within the margin. She was winning by two to three points in a two to three point uh, margin of error, and it, and it came down slightly in those states. Um, it's not the polling. It's the candidate. Do what you will with that, but that's the truth. Can you help me? I'm gonna gonna reveal my ignorance here, if you don't mind. Can you help me understand? So, when you're saying that the the Florida Democratic Party has blocked the inclusion. they haven't blocked it. Let me let me clarify that. So, they during the 2020 Democratic National Convention, they passed a uh, basically a procedural movement that allows. So it, it's it's legal. It allows the party to, by administrative vote, so we're only talking a small number of Democrats. And, get to, and, and to clarify, I'm sorry, the, 
per state this is you're talking state yes. party yes I, I'm, I guess i'm struggling to understand why this wouldn't come down so so florida might not have any primary challengers florida will not to joe biden but say i don't know yes utah could yes that makes well no because sense. it's always up to the state party the state parties own their primaries okay okay so the dnc does not have so they can at the conventions they can pass rules okay there's all different various committees and that's a big part of the convention that you don't see on tv is they set basically the next four years of rules for the national party that has implications on the state parties but the primaries always belong to the state parties in that sense and so that applies as well to the republican party so if if the republican party of florida were to decide well they would have to have that in the in their uh so they don't bylines i i well uh they don't have an incumbent so that's different as well so the the logic that they're using is oh, that the polling is showing that there is nobody um in contention and that there's no purpose really to have one so th- so he, he's de facto one and again this is what comes down to and this is this is also let's let's go listen we gave it to republicans on hypocrisy how does this look for democrats who are saying the existential threat via trump is that he doesn't respect the norms of democracy and that he doesn't believe in elections, and that he doesn't believe they should be decided by the people. That argument is weakened greatly, and for no reason. Yes, Biden's going to win the Florida primary. I have no doubt of that, mostly because the Democratic-leaning mainstream media outlets from CNN, MSNBC, etc. Well, and we were talking about there's there's no debate scheduled. There, there's right, no- right, so the national DNC <laughs> made that decision and said there will be no debates. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to debate here. And they said, oh, the, the, you, you don't do that when there's an incumbent. And the incumbent wants to run again. That's just the way it is. Simone Sanders gave that line. No, it's actually not. 1980, I'm not sure if you were born yet, Simone, but we, we can test them. Um, and two, you're stronger after a debate. Jimmy Carter was stronger, as bad as he got beat in 1980. He still, by debating Teddy Kennedy, it made him defend... Am I wrong? Did not Barack Obama on a for race for his second term? Did he, when he was incumbent, did he not participate in debates? He didn't have any challengers. Oh, he didn't. No. So the only debates I'm recollecting them would have been his first. Go. Right. So listen, it is not typical to be challenged from when you're within your own party as okay. an incumbent. It's not typical. Okay. So quite often it doesn't happen. Uh, there was no, uh, uh, there, there were some minor challenges to uh, President Trump's. They were late. They didn't get on the ballot in most states and so forth. Uh, I wouldn't say there were earnest efforts. Marianne Williamson filed early, raised money grassroots, would not take PAC and, and, and corporate donations, uh, has a real grassroots campaign and was getting as high as 12. Now she's getting about nine. Imagine how big of a deal that is when, Probably half the Democrats don't even know that she has a campaign. Yeah, I, I had not heard her name until you said it. Isn't that amazing? Now, now in, I, I agree. Amazing. Now listen, but, in you defen- have- but, but I will say in defense of me, I am really like, listen, I've got again, super blinders on to wider fine. politics. I don't- uh, do you think that that makes you an exception to, to well, the no. average voter? <clears throat> Definitely not. Well, no, but I am also saying like where you were saying it's, it, and I guess if it's not on there, it doesn't matter. I wouldn't have seen it anyways right. if I were, but I'm, but what I'm getting at is I don't even have time to like watch CNN or. Right. But you wouldn't mostly see it there. I'm not Fox saying they've never or, been on, but the, in fact, there was a political article about the, uh, about the Florida decision. And the sub headline was all about Dean Phillips. And it was like, okay, he, he, he's only at 3.4% right now. Granted, he just started his campaign, but he's the only one you mentioned. You won't mention the person that's at 9.3, 300% more support than he has. Uh, so, th- and this smacks of the Bernie Sanders part of in 2016, th- th- that was basically a media blackout. CNN, MSNBC all told you over and over again how, well, yes, he won Iowa, but here's why Iowa doesn't really matter as much as it used to. And, and, and oh, well, he won New Hampshire, but here's why South Carolina, you got this and the, you know, Noam Chomsky wrote about this in Manufacturing Consent. Great book. I don't agree with everything Noam Chomsky says, but he really, really dialed it in on how the institutions manipulate public uh, uh, opinion through subtle, subtle measures of telling you just over and over in unison, nicely, not arguing, but over and over nicely, how 
black is white and white is black whenever they need it to be. And if they keep saying it in unison, then you start hearing it among your peers and it's the way group think leans. And I remember hearing this, well, I'd support Sanders. I like him better, but you know, I keep feeling like I'd be throwing my vote away. And it's like, you'd be throwing your vote away for the guy who's polling 10 points higher against the person that you say is the existential threat. When in reality, what Democrats are really worried about, and this is why Williamson is getting the Sanders treatment is K Street, the lobbyists, the money class in democratic politics would not have all the juice and the strings to pull if it's not somebody from within the establishment. That's why Dean's name is allowed to be uttered and hers is not. It's the same thing. They're representing a shift in the political norm and that's being shut down. And what the Biden people don't wanna see, yes, he would win those contests, I believe mostly because they're rigged in the sense that there's no debates and there's there's no mainstream media accorded to these challengers. Uh, that's why Robert F. Kennedy Jr., again, I'm not the biggest fan, but he left the Democratic primary or wasn't independent because he said, it's rigged. I, I, I have no chance in this. I found that out clearly. And he's polling at close to 25%, higher than any independent in 34 40 years at this point. So we have to go back to Ross Perot to see anything even close to that. So that says a lot that you have somebody leaving the Democratic primary. Now, granted, he has a name. He's not had any kind of mainstream media. Most of it has been very negative um, only sort of, you know, the vaccine stuff, those sort of things. Nobody actually asking anything else about his platform. And he's mostly had to do, he's done a very effective campaign through going on very popular independent podcasts and just doing them constantly and getting out to some of them to have 500,000, a million listeners weekly. And he gets an episode uh, and he's clearly reaching people with that. And he has money behind him, family and, money. And and I've, otherwise. I've, that's where I've only seen him is on some podcasts. Couldn't even tell you which ones I've, I've seen him on. Uh, it, but, but interviews like that. And I agree everything. I, it's always the same thing. They're always talking to him about, it's always about, covid and mm -hmm. vaccines and that right? which is which is unfortunate like he did go you know real hard on the vaccine part uh and he look he makes some problematic statements with it okay. um but this does not make presidential material i believe that okay but there's got to be more depth again to a person again now here look here's where kennedy lost me kennedy said i'm i'm not running a vaccine can, that, that is not the reason i'm running and that's mm -hmm. not the platform they have. So you, you do have to forgive him a little bit in the sense that from what I've seen, that's not him driving that conversation. Right. It's as soon as he gets on, that's the question they keep on asking. And he's consistently telling them, I don't want this to all be about that. If we have to do this so your listeners can uh, have my perspective and not just what the mainstream media is painting on me, okay, I'll tell you what you want to hear. But he's not trying to, to take the, the conversation there. However... Where he lost me was in his biggest interview when he, uh, he was on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. So that's like 10 million people watching. And he said, what I'm really running is to rebuild the middle class. And he was asked if he believed in the $15 minimum wage, national minimum wage, which really adjusted for inflation is closer to 19 right now from the recent inflation. Uh, and he said, well, I haven't really studied that. I don't know what that amount would be. I'd have to really look at those numbers. And I was like, dude, if you're running to rebuild the middle class, and you've launched your campaign already and you've put a team together and you're doing media and you haven't studied what the minimum wage should be, which haven't, hasn't been raised. It's what, so like seven something or whatever, um, the federal one, uh, you lost me because you're not a serious candidate at that point if you're saying you're a middle-class candidate. So that being said though, I still think he deserves his place at the table. Listen, you wanna vote for Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? Go ahead. I am not one of those people that I voted for Nader in 2000. Everybody said, oh, you're what gave us Bush. And nonsense. It's a democracy. And I'm also tired of Democrats consistently being pulled to the right to where every place but on social issues, they're basically neocons. We're talking George Bush era, you know, Republican parties aside from abortion and, and gay rights. That's about it. Consistently being pulled to the right by scaring you that this election is too much to vote for who you want. Not this one. This one's too important. We can't have George Bush. We can't get Mitt Romney. Don't do it this time. We can't get Trump. Whenever will they tell you, oh, it's okay, vote your conscience. Vote the person whose platform you feel best, you know, uh, uh, envelopes your values and what's important to you. I always advocate for that. I don't believe in this political horse racing thing where you're throwing your vote away. 
democracy will only get better with the competition of ideas and them understanding that they do have to respond to large constituents that large constituencies that are very very unhappy with the status quo and that's what the democratic party is hearing is listen we don't want to become the hawk party we don't want to have war everywhere and we don't want to say hey whatever israel does if it causes world war three we're fine we're in um we don't want to be the party of big pharma. We don't want to be the party of big banking and big credit cards. And we can't have any reform in any of those places because they write us too many checks and we need those checks to beat the Republicans. How long are we going to let that party get pulled to the right until it just becomes two version of neocons and we're fighting over abortion and religion and, and it'll still be, Oh, well the Christian nationalism is coming. Okay. Yeah, maybe. But at the same time, I want to vote for people who I believe will be the best leaders. And, and, and if we're constantly scared out of the opportunity to do that, we will only continuously go, keep going down the road that we're currently on. And we've had now, if you go back to 2000, that was the last time that we had that existential crisis part. Well, really 2004. So this will be two decades of it. Has the country gotten better in these two decades? Democrats have won. Republicans have won evenly in that have we gotten better i would argue absolutely not and i think we have to get off that train i i have very little to add sir because you have far more uh opinion and information and i'm riled up today where well and where it comes to national politics i just all right we'll close it there one thing i do want to say i've been asked about this several times and Oh, yeah. From Instagram, oh, the yeah. next episode. And I think you're going to be on it, sir. I believe so. From some of the stills, it looks like Bitch O'Malley is, is making back. his comeback. He's coming back. But uh, episode five of The Real KVO, and if you look, uh, been asked several times how to find it, um, and the easiest way is the at symbol, at Real KVO on YouTube. Episode five is said to drop Friday at 8 a.m. That's what they put out on their Instagram and uh, YouTube channels and Facebook channels. So Friday morning at 8 a.m., maybe we'll talk about that next week. Uh, some of the stills made it look like the ethics complaints. That's that's what they're teasing would be, um, or excuse me, the uh, sunshine complaints ah. uh, and whether or not the sheriff um, will be uh, properly investigating them. Well, no, no the sheriff did recommended charges were sent to the state attorney's office, right? Yeah, the sheriff looks like he's in it, though. Oh. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what okay. it'll be. Okay, fair uh, enough. I'm, ju I'm, just, I'm just going by the teased still images. I but, mean, uh, it is possible there's more sunshine violations floating out there we haven't learned about yet. Entirely possible. <laughs> entirely. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Join us Sunday for the BradentonTimes.com fact-based news and analysis without an agenda.